Welcome back to the Focus Target Podcast. This is your host, Smiley, with you again with Season 3, Episode 77 of the Focus Target Podcast. With me today, as always, are my co-hosts, Van and Shy. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hello there. Only 23 episodes from Centennial. The first milestone. The first real milestone. 50 is kind of like a fake What are we going to do? Is that one going to be in person? How many weeks would that be? I don't know. Roughly 23 weeks? Like Half a months? year? Might be. Might, I don't know. Maybe. Six months? Yeah. Could be. Could be. Let's see. Um, but we got some time before now, there and then and now. But boy, it just feels like we just did this, doesn't it? Just a couple of days ago. Here we are. Here we are again. So um, in a compressed week, you know. In a, in a, yes, indeed. So uh, today we're going to do the second of our twin films uh, mm. uh, series. Uh, today we're going to discuss the twin films, The Matrix and Dark City. Um, so if you're interested in either of those movies, this should be a podcast that you might uh, you might enjoy. Uh, and just in case you feel like we haven't talked about Star Wars enough, because uh, I know that that's been a complaint that this this podcast does not give Star Wars the credit that it is due. Um, we have a question of the day. Uh, going back to last week where we did a recap of The Mandalorian. So a uh, question of the day today is um, in The Mandalorian series, who is your favorite character, not counting Mando or Grogu? Because those are kind of kind of home runs in a lot of cases. Everybody would pick Baby Yoda, right? Like it's just too easy. So outside the, the two the two stars of the show, really, who are who who is your favorite character? Who who were you the most excited to to see and spend time with in that world? I'm gonna start with Van. Uh, so I was hoping you start with me because I think I could predict Shy's favorite, which is I'm spoken guy. I think he. How did you know? <laughs> he likes the somehow, "I have spoken" guy somehow, so much. I wonder if that's going to be true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's hard because it's, hard. it's a hard question. Yeah, but the first one that that comes to mind, and the first one that keeps coming to mind, he is. Um, I mean, it's got to be Boba Fett. Like they oh, just okay. like yeah. that's a that's a. Um, I know it's a cop out, right? That's what I said out. too. Like. <laughs> I, I know, but we should have said Mandalorian, Grogu, and Boba Fett. It should have been okay, fine, fine. Mandalorian, Boba Grogu, Fett. and Boba Fett. I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll keep rolling down the, 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 then fine. Let's not do Boba Fett also because I feel like that's too. Okay. too Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, sure. Um, then I would say, so the other one that was a close second was, um, coincidentally, the one we talked about in the last episode was Bill Burr's character. Oh yeah, um, Space yeah. Boston. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do just with the fact that I like Bill Burr a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a close third would be somebody that I mentioned a million times, which is um, Giancarlo Esposito. But he doesn't have like a huge role, Moff, but it's an Moff important Gideon. role. Moff yeah, Gideon. Moff Gideon. He's yeah. got a pretty big role. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like not a lot of airtime. Not a lot a of airtime. Very time, sure. impactful role. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about you, Shy? Outside um, of Boba Fett, since obviously that was your first choice. Yeah, no, um, I don't and know. I it's spoken. it's hard because Mandalorian and Baby Yoda are the two like standouts, like you guys said. Then Boba Fett, then Luke Skywalker. Um, I gotta say, this is gonna be weird, but I'm gonna say the armor um, from the Mandalorian okay. clan. The I, I thought I she like was, it. I thought she was really cool. She's credited as well. Um, apparently, the actress is Emily Swallow, but uh, I just think that's such a like his interactions with her were always cool and just mm-hmm. really like as far as cinematography like that just was a cool set and just like the shots of the the smelting and everything was really cool so she certainly cool. like she, she seemed to have like this mother figure too yeah. even though yeah. even though like, she wasn't like very loving and but uh, like you could tell that she was kind of the head honcho at the same time people respected her like a know, mother it felt like matriarchal almost like the clan mm-hmm. right? like she was almost like Absolutely. a matriarch <clears throat> no doubt about that well, I would not have gone with Boba Fett, although I thought it was cool. I like what they did with the Boba Fett arc. I thought that was very neat. Um, the character, I guess I kind of have two answers. The character I was most excited to see was Ahsoka, Ahsoka, Tano. Ahsoka Tano. because, And also because like, I just I thought that was maybe my favorite part when it kind of started connecting up to big other events and things. I mean, it started that, it really started with Bo-Katan when he ran into them. But, you know, like that, I liked in the second season how it started to expand and touch on other storylines. I'm excited if Ahsoka Tano does indeed get her own, her own show and, and, and where that would go. I, I, I'm interested in seeing that, but I still think that my, 
my favorite um my favorite other character in the series was actually the IG-88 assassin droid uh, from the nice. very first episode. He was hilarious. Yes. Keep trying to self-destruct and yeah. everything. Don't self-destruct. And I was self-destruct. so sad when Mando had to cap him like in the first episode. And I was super excited when he got brought back and got to play a secondary role. So um, always been a fan of the bounty hunters from Empire Strikes Back. There's a whole book that's now no longer canonical, but uh, it's called Tales of the Bounty Hunters that focuses on each of the six bounty hunters that was that makes an appearance in uh, Empire Strikes Back. And it's, it's kind of a fun read. I mean, it's not it's not the, the height of, of Star Wars novelization, but like like they're solid. There's some interesting stories. And I thought the IG-88 assassin droid story in that was always one that I thought was really cool and really kind of captured my imagination as when I read it as a kid. So I thought it was cool to see one of them come back and, and play a role. So that would be my my selection all right well i mean if you our fair listener has a favorite secondary character from the from the mandalorian we'd love to hear what that is we also have another question of the day this is a bonus question of the day submitted by a listener of the podcast in our channel in uh for shop titans we had a question that was posed by uh our our clan member deanna oh yeah wanted us to to discuss whether or not we would consider master chief of the halo series a mandalorian because he never takes off his helmet um that was the question and i felt like I played Halo a little bit the original, like, but I only played through like the first like six or seven levels. Like, I got think a little bit past like where the you're pointing off screen. You're pointing to shy. That's where I'm going with this, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, Which way is he that way? Yeah, on my screen he's that way, but uh, okay. on my on my screen I'm I'm this way as well. Okay. okay. Um, Smiley's way. Smiley's way. This is the way. Um, <laughs> but so you know, I I don't. I am not a Halo guy, as, as my, my relationship with Microsoft is very well documented on this podcast. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like I don't know enough about the Halo lore to really make a, a judgment about that. If, if, if the Master Chief, whatever he is, is has a similar code or anything that could be kind of compared. Like, obviously, it's not Star Wars, right? But, like, yeah. are, there, are there similarities there or are there not? So, I'm going to defer to Van. Maybe you'll surprise me and have more knowledge on this, but I'm going to defer to Shy to start here as the resident Halo fan. Oh, what your thoughts, hold, hold on. Let me... Uh, I gotta nerd out for a second. <laughs> I gotta show my my Halo book collection. Oh, uh, oh my goodness. At the probably, ready, too. Probably yes. one of my favorite books. Uh, fix, like Kind of like kind of cheesy pop fiction books ever. The, the like Halo origin story and where the Spartans come from. Yeah. Um, Let's be clear. Shy is no longer in that line channel, so he was completely blindsided by this. He was not prepared for that. that those I'm books not, were on standby. Oh, not right. not in advance. Um, <laughs> no, I, 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 love, I love Halo. Um, I didn't. I, I don't think I've ever played past four because I'm, I moved over to play, you know, more Sony consoles at that time, but I mean, it's true that you never see Master Chief's face. Like, he always has a helmet yep. on. I don't believe that there's any kind of cultic facet, like, the obsession about not taking the helmet off. I think it's just the fact that he's a soldier. He doesn't feel like he needs to show his face to anybody. Um, there, I don't, like, they also, like, I think they have, like, some pretty significant psychological issues. The soldiers, like, they were basically captured as children and trained. Like, they were kidnapped from their homes and then trained to be soldiers. And well, sounds like a family um, to me. <laughs> um i don't know i think the foundlings were saved i think i don't know if they were kidnapped um so it all depends on your point of view <laughs> right <laughs> one, <laughs> one person's freedom fighters another person's terrorist um yes, no right. um i think uh I, I don't know that i would say he's a mandalorian i think that he i mean he would he probably like fit in with the mandalorians if for some reason he was adopted you know i don't know he wouldn't be adopted into their clan but he could ride with the mandalorians and not make them awkward by taking his helmet off <laughs> do, uh, do you know of any other soldiers in the halo universe that remove their helmet like is it common so that's the thing is it got as long as i played i believe it was still only one master chief and that's when like i think four plus i forget if it was in four or later they started introducing more like i mean in the books there's more of them but like he was kind of like the last survivor that's what really what the the fall of reach which i've now put on the bottom of the stack is all about is about basically they're like the alien race that's the main opponent coming to like their base and just like wiping them out it's like their last stand like the planet reach and so like pretty much all of his like fellow spartans you think get wiped out but then later on in the series there are more so <clears throat> i never really saw them 
So then we'll say the answer is inconclusive. Inconclusive at this point. But Shy's leaning towards no. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. No, I don't know. I don't think it's inconclusive. I don't think it's inconclusive. I think that as, far as, <laughs> as far as not taking the helmet off, yeah, he fits the standard. But I don't think that's what makes someone someone a Mandalorian, right? Like, I guess if that's her question, what does make someone correct. a Mandalorian? It's like, a philosophical question. Well, it's like the reason why they don't. It's the reason why they don't take the helmet off, right? Like, I thought it was something like you think nobody can see your face. I don't think that's you sound why... like a you sound like a fundamentalist. I'm just saying, like a Mando fundamentalist. Nice. Well, and I mean, we do have to remember that we, we are talking about two different mm. types of Mandalorians, right? Like we have the yeah. kind of cultist type that Mando's yeah. part of and like Bo-Katan's type mm. where she's like, I'll pop this helmet off, whatever. I don't even give a fuck. So, I mean, anybody you know, be a Mandalorian in that, in that. Yeah. But it sounds like, you know, your, your, your master chief maybe falls more into that second category. It's not that he like won't take his helmet off or thinks there's some reason he shouldn't. He could, he just, hasn't really had the opportunity or, or reason to. And so he's like, why would I take it off? Like, it's fine on. I think it's part of the game. Like, I think that it's like that mystery, right? You just don't, like, it was kind of until the, he took the helmet off in the Mandalorian. You're just like, well, who, what does this guy look like? And then they kind of ruined it by having him take his helmet off. Like, should have never uh, taken his helmet off. I know. I, I mean, except, Ever. you know, obviously in the, with Baby Yoda. And they didn't like the first special. season, too. Like, they didn't even. It, I agree. I, I don't, I don't say never. I agree. It would have been even more impactful for him to have never taken it. Like we should have waited until that baby Yoda yeah. goodbye. Oh, that, that would have been, been the first time perfect. Not for the IG. As much as I like the IG-88 droid, that was not a worthy, <laughs> that was not a worthy reveal there. So, um, I agree. <clears throat> so I like to think of myself as a Vandalorian. A Vandalorian. Yeah. And what are you, what are your codes? Can I be a Dandalorian? <laughs> I love it. You think about that. We're going to ask you about the the codes of Vandalore uh, here in, in a future podcast. Dandalore. Dand- <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So, well, so thank you, Deanna. I hope that answered your question or at least uh, gave, you know, got you some, some, some what you want. We're happy to have questions, happy to have submitted questions on the Focus Target podcast. Gives us some different things to talk about, stuff maybe we wouldn't have otherwise. So uh, we appreciate the feedback. If you have a question for the Focus Target podcast, we will, we will talk about it. We, we, we may not have a good answer. We may not agree on an answer, but we will we'll be happy to talk about it. Um, our, our submission uh, for questions and, and other such feedback will be provided at the end of the show. So let's get in. Well, let's hold up now before we get into the, to the twin films, we do have a smiley's cleanup corner this week. So last week, there's a lot of confusion when I was trying to figure out who I was talking about, about the producers. <laughs> I get confused between Kevin Feige and Dave Filoni and nobody knew who Dave Filoni was. Nobody knew who Kevin Feige was. And Feige. people thought I was talking about Nathan Fillion for some reason. So just to quickly set the record straight and, and give these people their due, what I was trying to say is, <laughs> I always get confused between Kevin Feige, who is the president of Marvel Studios and basically the creator and director of the MCU. He's been involved in pretty much all from phase one through phase four of the MCU movies uh, in some capacity. Um, Dave Filoni, on the other hand, is uh, also with Disney. He's one of one of the producers of The Mandalorian. He and John Favreau kind of came together. The Mandalorian was kind of their idea. They were the two primary producers. They kind of took turns producing episodes. Um, Filoni also was involved in the Clone Wars animated series, the Star Wars Rebel animated series that's been popular. So he's kind of been one of the new faces who's done a lot of stuff with the kind of Star Wars side projects. John Favreau, probably you already know, um, you know, he was obviously heavily involved in the Iron Man movies. He actually acted in, in, in the MCU. He is, uh, he is Happy Hogan, um, who is, who is uh, uh, Tony Stark's assistant and, and bodyguard and driver. Um, and he also produced a number of those movies, or direct, I think he directed Iron Man and Iron Man 2. But, um, and so he obviously is, is also involved in the Mandalorian and is kind of, so Filoni and Favreau are kind of, in charge of the Mandalorian and, and kind of they're the ones who are kind of driving the Star Wars ship right now and have had a lot of success, it seems. And then Nathan Fillion, of course, whose name got thrown in there just because it sounded similar. We know him, of course, as Mal Reynolds from Firefly. That's where I first knew him. And uh, some, if you're fans of the show Castle, which was a, a, a show on ABC for a number of years, uh, he was the star of that. And of course, anyone who's played Destiny would recognize his voice as uh, the Cade Six. Um, 
in Destiny. And I think was he in Destiny two? Was he? Did he return in Destiny two for that role? Uh, I forget. Till the very till the very beginning. Even to, the very, the, yeah, it was like well, I think it was the first there. expansion. Either was it the base game or was it the first expansion where basically the whole it was all built around him. Like yeah. he's killed at the beginning of it by those like escaped. Um, right, I so remember I six over here by my computer all the time. When my daughter comes in here and grabs them, and I'll find them in the house somewhere. Oh. Nice. <clears throat> Call me the prop I master. Have, I have my claptrap, yeah, Kate six, and and Rem next to me all the time, but Not I don't today. know where he's at. It's a shame. Hey, I'll find so, yeah. somewhere. Can I issue a challenge to our, our viewers, our listeners? Um, not a challenge, well, a challenge, a request, a supplication, if you might say. Supplication, um, <laughs> that's a good word. I, like <laughs> I don't even know what that means. That's more, that's more like worshipful, like, isn't it? I don't no, know if that's no. actually. Supplication, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a, yeah, uh, it's kind of, it's a very heartfelt. Plea, like, a plea, maybe? A plea, yeah. Um, I, want, I love Nathan Fillion. Yeah. I've wanted to watch Castle for years, and I can't find it streaming anywhere online. So oh. if anyone out there knows, I've, I've looked, but if anyone knows of a way to stream castle i would pay a monthly sub just for a month just to like binge watch that show um what'd you do if nathan nathan fillion tweets us where you could watch it i'd be like hey man that'd be, that'd be, he'd be, i'd be like Dude, uh, you're, you you're awesome <laughs> you are awesome let it be known the position be of the podcast you're well nathan fillion is welcome on this podcast anytime talk about firefly we'll talk about castle we'll talk about whatever oh man He's in something new too now. He's got a yeah. new show. He was uh, in that um, police show, right? Like on yes. NBC. I watched a couple yes. episodes of that. It was interesting. It wasn't really what I expected. Okay, so just hope that sets the record straight. Sorry for the confusion last week. That was that was primarily my fault for not being able to remember names uh, very well. All right, Matrix and Dark City. Um, should we go through a quick plot as quick as we can? We don't yeah, want to like spend the whole time on one. the plot. Uh, real quick. I'm not, you guys got to speed me along. Or you, what, do you guys want to take it or you want me? How, how do you no. want to do this? You, I'll take you it, it. But go. you guys got to shoo me along if I get a little bit into okay. the weeds here. So, all right, we start with, uh, you know, the protagonist. We're going to start with the Matrix. Uh, a little bit pretty well known, so I will go through that. I assume most people have seen the Matrix by this point. Our friend Thomas A. Anderson, he's a software engineer. He's also a hacker. He's looking into this guy named Morpheus, who's an international AKA Neo, terrorist. Important. Well, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, hacker name. Yes, his hacker name is... This is what slows us down. This is what slows us down, people. Alias Neo. We're 30 seconds into the film, and we spent 30 seconds talking about it. We have two hours to talk about this. So we got Mr. Anderson, who's also known as Neo. He's looking for Morpheus, who's this mysterious terrorist. He's... He's, you know, trying to find him. He gets contacted in some strange ways by part of Morpheus's crew who say, hey, you want to know what the Matrix is? And he's like, yes, I, I want to know what the Matrix is. But there's some agents uh, who, some mysterious agents of the system who get to him first. They kind of ingest him with a weird bug creature that is, was really freaked me out when I first saw it. I thought that was really creepy stuff. Special effects were amazing. The mouth, the mouth thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, close. Oh, yeah, that was cool. I think maybe we need what to move good is a call if you cannot speak? Yeah, see, you're we not, you're, not you're doing the a higher level what synopsis. We need a higher level synopsis. We don't need to do every, every beat. Right. So, so <laughs> basically, they Morpheus picks him up, gets the bug out of him, brings him to uh, you know a place and gives him an opportunity uh, you know the focal point the, the crux of the movie to me he, he opens his hand he's got two pills the red pill and the blue pill and he says you take the red pill we see how deep the rabbit hole goes you take the blue pill you wake up in your bed and decide whatever you want I want to come back to that later because I have questions about that um, for you guys but I questions the, for that pill I got questions for that pill um, <laughs> he takes he takes the red pill he starts wigging out. He wakes up in the real world uh, in a weird, like, strange mechanical test tube thing. Gets dumped into the source. Doesn't look like himself. Doesn't look like he's got weird, like, holes and shit on his body. He's just, he's completely bald, completely hairless. Um, basically gets picked up by this uh, hovercraft ship. What's it called, Van? Nebuchadnezzar. The Nebuchadnezzar? I don't think so. I think it's the, think it's the Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, named after an ancient, I think, Babylonian king. Yeah, close, it but it needs some work, Van. Close, close but, but it needs some work. work. Also, the ship in Moby? I can't remember what the Nebuchadnezzar was also in. Anyways, I'll look it up. Go. Oh, Moby Dick, you think? Oh, maybe. I don't think so, but maybe. Uh, yeah, look it up. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, so he gets taken on board the ship. There's Morpheus and his crew, who he's met most of them in the Matrix. They look a lot different themselves, not 
quite the way they they look in uh, that we've as we've seen him previously. They kind of nurse him back to health and tell him the terrible truth that man and machine, like man, gave birth to a a, a true AI. And then they started fighting and they basically destroyed the world. And now humanity is left with just a small, small core of people left who are hiding out in the crust of the earth. And most like, like of free people, yeah, free yeah, people, yeah. sorry, the free humans are, are all that's left are kind of in the crust of the earth where most of humanity is enslaved in a mental a computer program called the matrix they don't realize that they're living in the 19th century thinking that you know everything everything's normal but really they're just kind of in a computer program and they're in and, like they're just being harvested for their energy their body yes, their, their body, body heat. heat their body yes everything like that exactly um and of course morpheus who's the captain of the ship their goal is to free the free the you know, indentured humans and show them the truth. But also Morpheus specifically has been looking for the one who is this savior who has been prophesized by the Oracle to come and be able to remake the matrix in his own image. Um, and so he believes Morpheus believes that Neo is the one. And so he kind of trains him up. He uses the computer programs they have to basically teach him how to fight, teach him the nature of the matrix, try to get him ready. And, then they decide to go talk to the Oracle to have the Oracle confirm whether or not Neo is in fact the one. They go to the Oracle. We, we get some cool scenes there. The Oracle tells Neo, sorry, kid. Seems like you're waiting for something. You're not the one. She doesn't actually say he's not the one. She says, you know what I'm going to say. And he uh, says, I'm not the one. He says, you have the gift. Sorry, kid. You got you the got gift. The it seems like you're waiting for something. Yep. Then she tells him, that poor Morpheus is so convinced that Neo is the one that he's going to sacrifice himself to save Neo and nothing anyone can say will be able to talk him out of it. She and doesn't that tell him ne that. She does. She does tell him that. She, no, says, I think she, says, she says, you'll have to make a choice in one yeah, you'll you'll have have a choice. Yeah. your life. Yeah, right. In That's the right. other, That's you'll right. have Neo's Sorry. or uh, Morpheus's. <laughs> and, you know, one of you will die is what she says you'll have to make that choice. And so as they go back to, they're heading back to the matrix. Morpheus doesn't want to hear what the Oracle had to say about anything. They're going back. Oh no, they've been betrayed. Cypher, one of uh, Morpheus's crew regrets taking the red pill. He wished he'd taken the blue pill. He cuts a deal with the agent saying, you put me back in the matrix. I don't forget anything or I don't remember anything about this and I'll turn you over to Morpheus. He's a captain of a ship. He has the codes that the machines want to get to the to the human city. The uh, Zionist Zion. central computer, yeah. The Zionist mainframe. Yeah. And so he's got to deal with them. They get ambushed. Of course, as the Oracle predicts, Morpheus, when he realizes Neo is in trouble and is about to be taken by an agent, breaks through this wall that they're all hiding in and starts fighting the agent. Neo realizes what's happening. He's like, oh no, this isn't right. But the others kind of pull him out of there before he can do anything. Morpheus is taken into custody um, and the others kind of try to escape. Unfortunately, Cypher's kind of a step ahead of him. He goes, gets back before him, basically kills the entire crew except for Neo and Trinity, which is, um, we haven't even talked about Trinity, uh, which is which is not right. Um, Morpheus's most prominent crew member uh, and a uh, little bit of romantic interest there blossoming between Neo and Trinity as, as the movie goes on. But so the last two are Neo and Trinity. Cypher's about to off Neo and gives a very, you know, I think a very memorable speech from that movie where he says, you know, I'm about to prove that this is all bullshit, right? Because if he's the one, how can he be the one if he's dead? And there'd have to be some kind of miracle to stop me from killing him, right? And then, of course, uh, one of the crew members who, uh, uh, Tank. Was who, left for dead. Uh, was it Tank or Dozer? It was Tank. It was right? Tank, yeah. Uh, who who was left for dead. The, the Cypher thought he killed him. He didn't do a good enough job. And he says, believe it or not, asshole, you're still going to burn. Boom! And takes him out. Rescues Neo and Trinity. They get back, but now they know that Morpheus is being tortured, and they decide they got to pull the plug on him to protect Zion before he can reveal the codes. But Neo says, hold up. I feel like I can do this. I'm going to go in and I'm going to save him. And so Neo and, and Trinity's Trinity, like, not alone. 
not alone. I believe he means more to me than he does to you. She kind of, she kind of puts him in his place there. I, I like that scene. Um, but anyway, so with tanks supporting them, they load up their guns, they go in, they have this awesome heist where they blast their way basically into this secure building, rescue Morpheus. Uh, Neo does, uh, you know, gets crazy where he starts dodging bullets and stuff and maybe starts to believe uh, as he starts pulling off this incredible heist that maybe there is something special about him. Um, when he tries to tell Morpheus that he's not the one, Morpheus says that Oracle told you exactly what you needed to hear. Um, and they get, they're going back, they're getting ready to get out of the Matrix and Morpheus is safely out, Trinity's safely out, but an agent shows up, busts the phone that they were about to escape through. It's Agent Smith, is the kind of main agent rival in the uh, in the movie. And Neo decides he wants to take him down. And so they have a fight in a subway alley. Um, agent Smith wins that fight, has Neo pinned down, holding him in front of an oncoming train. Looks pretty grim. Neo doesn't give up. He fights him off, smashes him against the ceiling, jumps out of the way. The train blasts the agent. Neil's like, take that agent took you down, starts to walk away. And the agent comes out of the, out of the train that he has stopped. Um, you can't really kill an agent. Um, and so Neil runs um, and he, there's a nice chase. The agents are chasing him. He gets to the very end. He thinks he's got an escape route, but the agents have cut him off. They knew where he was going and they shoot him and kill him. And as the Oracle said, one of you will die. And Neo dies in the Matrix. And... That's the end. So what do you guys think about that? <laughs> and, and, and why did they make a sequel? And a third is, one. And was that very, is so very like poor, you, Van, to stop decision. before the end of the movie and not finish it all the way out. Wait, wait that's not the end of the movie? <laughs> there was more. <laughs> Van's just like, stop. Yeah, I just turned it off. I was like, oh, that was a pretty good movie. It's horrible. Uh, I don't so, understand the ending much. but So... So at that point, you know, things are going bad in the real world too. The, the, the Sentinels who are the squid like uh, machines are coming to kill their real, their actual physical bodies. They found the Nebuchadnezzar. They found the Nebuchadnezzar. Drilling uh, in. And Trinity of course hops on top of Neo and says, Hey, turns out you have to be the one because the Oracle told me I would fall in love with the one and I'm in love with you and now get up and he uh -huh. does he comes back to life he realizes that the matrix doesn't really you know he's he's in control of the matrix he destroys the agents as after he gets up who think they've won and then he literally like blows them into blows agent smith into pieces and scares the other two off comes back uh they fire off an emt weapon that you know knocks out uh uh all, an electromagnetic pulse knocks it all out. I think it's an EMT, EMP. EMP. And, um, uh, and that's it. And basically then in our credit scene, uh, Neo is con contacts the machines and basically says things are going to change. Um, there's a new sheriff in town. And that's the Matrix. And then he flies off. And he, fly, <laughs> he flies off, which will, which will come into play in the yeah. second movie. Yeah. Um, but, you know, listen, if you, when, once you control the Matrix, it's you know, it's like being able to control a dream, right? You yeah. can do what you want to do. So, do we want to talk about that a little bit, or do or do let's, we want to do, a, do the other synopsis? And recap, then I think we'll, recap yeah. Dark City. Uh, you guys are gonna Van and Shy. You've both watched it more recently than me, so maybe one of you guys should do it, and I'll chip in. I mean, I think we could be a lot more concise with this one, probably. I'll I'll take a shot at you guys. Just okay. interrupt me wherever wherever okay. you know you want to interrupt me. So, Dark City starts out. You have a guy naked in a bathtub with blood on his forehead and just like really dark room gets up like slipping on the floor this light is shaking so you get this idea that someone was just in the room with him but like and there's a dead body over off the side he there's something on the ground like a metal contraption um and all of a sudden he gets a, a phone call right right off the bat or he like he yeah. bumps into a goldfish thing like this is gonna get way too, we're, we're moving high level high level um so gets a phone call and it's from a guy we don't know who it is obviously beginning of the movie um saying something to the extent of guy with a really thick like really german, thick accent, german accent austrian um, accent who's yeah. keeper sutherland in a role i've never seen him play before um but um wait um, that wasn't keeper sutherland that wasn't keeper sutherland no keeper sutherland is the detective no. not the yes the detective's what? not keeper sutherland what yeah the main, the main detective. There's no, all right. While you're pausing the synopsis, there's no way that's Keeper Sutherland. That have you I, seen Twenty Four? Have you? Uh, Keeper Sutherland was the de 
detective. What are we, yeah, what are we talking about here? He absolutely was a detective. <laughs> like you think he was like you think he was the weird scientist? Like the short, dude? like the like the short balding guy. Hold on. William Hurt is Inspector Frank Bumstead. Kiefer Sutherland is Doctor Daniel P. Schreiber. What? No freaking way. Yeah, that man. Blows yeah. My mind. Yeah. That blows it blew my, my mind, mind too. Holy like, smokes. So a totally young not a cast. I'm totally not a, ca- a character you would ever think of him as. Like this kind of okay. crazy doctor. But we're moving on. We're getting in the weeds. So um, basically, find, like this guy tells him, uh, you know, this, this man we don't know says he's special. Like he, he wants to talk to him. Um, but there's people coming for him, I think, right? Or does he say there's people tell, on the way? He, he, says, like, he, says, he says, you're going to wake up. You don't remember anything. This may all seem weird to you. You have no memory, but I can explain everything to you. Um, Doesn't he say he's his doctor at that time? Does he yeah. Says, I'm he your doctor. doctor. You, need to, you uh, need to seek me out or something like that as yes. quickly as possible. Uh, yes. So he finds some clothes. He uh, kind of stumbles out of this room, um, still not knowing what's going on. Uh, goes down, gets down to the lobby. And... Um, and I think as he's stumbling out of the hallway, like into the stairs, some other people enter the hallway, right? Isn't there like one of those things where basically like- Yeah, he's leaving and the, eight, and the, the police, or the, I guess the, the- things, the people, yeah, the, 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 the creatures, whatever. Yeah. Um, pretty eerie looking people. Um, and he gets down to the, um, the lobby and he's talking to to someone um the guy like first of all he gets to the lobby there's people like people sleeping in the weirdest positions it's a very kind of like eerie film it kind of throws you into the mix of everything without like really explaining anything and so yes. people just like sleep like it just feels very surreal there's people like sleep a woman sleeping in a telephone booth there's people just sleeping at their tables he's like what 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 is this Everybody's movie at all asleep. Everybody's asleep. but um as he gets to the front desk people are like start waking up and the guy at the front desk is like talking to him about like his he owes money or whatever and like he's like i'll, I'll deal with it. he leaves um maybe van should take over at this point because i feel like I'm, I'm reaching big gaps in my memory now no i think you're doing well all right well my next step would be to just talk about the fact that uh um i need some help what what did happen <laughs> all right so then he leaves as he's so he's leaving and he's trying to put the pieces together too right he realizes yeah. that his wallet's lost he ends up in some place he just all this funky stuff's happening around him. Go ahead, Chai. Take it away. Restaurant, right? Like, he, has about like... the, he has about the restaurant, right? And there's yeah. like, well, that, that's what he talks the, the to. Guy, that guy, yeah, the guy, the guy, the, the, the guy at the hotel yeah. says, somebody, you know, you left your wallet. wallet. So you got a call. Yeah. Your wallet was left at this, uh, was it a, a diner, right? A weird little restaurant. Um, and so, and then like he's, he's, had he already heard about the dead women? Like he saw the body the in the hotel, yeah. in the room, right? And I guess he heard some people over speaking it or he saw some headlines or something. And he goes to his restaurant, he gets his wallet. There's some cops in the restaurant. And he's like feeling super weird because he's feeling suspicious. He starts walking past them and this like pretty lady walks in and they stop him. And they're like, what are you doing? Where are you going? And he's like, uh, and she's trying to go home. She kind of grabs his arm. And she's like, yeah. Why are you bothering honeys or whatever? Like she obviously knows who they are. So they know who she is. And she kind of walks him out and she walks him back to her place. And I, we, we find out like we get at that point, I guess we assume she's a call girl of some kind. She is a lady um, of the night as a lady were. of the night. Um, yes. And so she's bringing him into her house to, to spend some time with him. And he is, we, we, he's kind of standing there like observing things he sees she has a, a daughter. We don't really know what's going through his head. We find out later what's going through his head. Yeah. Um, that he already knows that he's supposed to be a killer, but he yeah. didn't have killer instincts. So he was trying to see, hey, would I be, would I feel compelled to kill this woman being in the same situation, whereas I'm supposed to have killed other people? Yeah, so we find that out later. But so he's just kind of standing there and he kind of just, he, he sees the little girl and he just leaves. Um, then where does he go? So does it, does it switch to Jennifer Connelly at that point? Or is it, uh... or do we switch to the d- inspector going to the room? And when do we talk to the? When do we see the shadowy so, guys? Anyway, so, so he's leaving. <laughs> he's leaving. Shadow this, dudes. Right? He's leaving. Shadow dudes show up. They get into this weird fight. All of a sudden, he's a, he has like these special powers that like nobody knew about. He ends up killing one of the shadow dudes, and we call them shadow dudes. And then we find out that they're really some kind of aliens. I guess we could talk has about like it. Like a glowing, thing came yeah, out of the head. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways. Um, I think one of the important parts to note is they kind of came at him when he was up studying a billboard yeah. of a place called. What's the place called? Shell again? Beach. Shell Beach. Like he see like didn't he find he found a letter, I believe, when he first woke up with his things. When did he find sure. that letter? Like a, a letter. Like he, he knows that it was a postcard. postcard. Was it in his jacket? Was it in the pocket of his jacket, maybe? Yeah. <clears throat> he had a postcard from Shell Beach and like that, along with the murder he, clippings. The yes. Newspaper clippings uh, about yeah. why he's a murderer. That was the murder. Like yeah. That. Yeah. 
And so he, yeah. So to summarize to this point, just a little bit to tie it back together, right. He is, he doesn't have a, he doesn't have any memory of who he is or what he's doing. He woke up in a room with a dead, what looked like, you know, a dead, a dead call girl. He sees all these clippings and he's wondering like, did I do, did I do that? He's kind of trying to figure that out. And he also knows that Shell Beach maybe is kind of an important place, but he doesn't know where it is or how to get there. And so that's kind of what he's trying to work through is like, am I, did I do the, did I commit these crimes? And what is this Shell Beach? And would I maybe find people who know me there who can tell me what's going on? um, I think is where he's at. Um, Should we jump over to his wife and the inspector, which is kind of the, the other, plot line going on let's do it i don't know exactly where it's cut back and forth but um at the at this like nightclub we get like we get to go into this nightclub where this kind of old like a speakeasy or something where uh where jennifer connelly's character is like the main attraction she's you know sings kind of sings some sad songs might have been and yeah um so she, we come to find out, is the wife of our unnamed protagonist, but they um, they had a falling out and he left. Because yeah, so she was accused she, of cheating on him, so he left and she just assumed he walked out on her. Yes. Um, meanwhile, we have our good inspector, our lawman, who um, who is trying to get to the bottom of these murders that are going on and so he's uh he also um you know has reason to believe that perhaps our unnamed hero is the is at least a suspect and so he's trying to kind of follow his trail he goes and talks to talks to his wife kind of gets some info from her real quick let me back that up real quick. yeah please. so what happens is um the doctor calls emma oh that's and right says, yeah. and, and and then emma and tells Emma, hey, you need to contact me right away, blah, blah, blah. I'm your husband's well, doctor. She, she She's like, him. well, my husband didn't even know yeah. he had a doctor. I didn't even know he was seeing anybody, all yes. this stuff. So then when she ended up at the police station to report a missing persons, that's when the police station was like, uh, I think you need to talk to this guy instead of just a regular B cop. So then right. they send him towards that 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 other person who does the inspection. Yes, good call. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think at this point, we start to be introduced to the aliens or i guess we're assuming they're aliens because they are these weird humanoid creatures but yet inside of them is some kind of a spider thingy or whatnot and they have the ability to call what they refer to as tuning and so they're able to we learn that they're able to shape the world how they please with this tuning ability as well as be able to transport people into other individuals and whatnot and what's significant about that is our pro Antagonist, the person who we've been following this whole time, they learn that he also has this ability to tune. So he becomes a super important creature for them as well. Um, but basically, just to wrap it all up, their whole thing is they're trying to find out what the essence of a soul is. And the protagonist is an obstacle in their way. So they're trying to not only learn, number one, how did he learn to tune? And, you know, let's learn to be him because he clearly has some information about about humans and we can learn a lot from him blah blah blah, and all this stuff but he becomes so powerful that he's able to destroy this experiment that the aliens are hosting to try to find the soul of a human and basically create the world into his own way now that was super high level and i'm sure we can go into details about it but ultimately this the synonymous actions are of him becoming almighty all-powerful being able to tune the world however he wants much like neo when he unlocks the code to the matrix being able to do whatever he wants in that world so can our protagonist in dark city shape the world into whatever he wants physically as you know like creating oceans and structures and things like that as well so he's unlocked the secrets to this laboratory the space alien laboratory i think the a couple a couple small points to add to that that I think tie into what's going on in the Matrix, right? Is like one of the main things is that we come to find out that when everybody's sleeping is when these aliens are doing their tuning, right? And like that's when they're they change things, they move things around, and they're even like changing people's 
like memories in their mind. They're switching like who a person is from time to time, giving them different personalities, giving them different memories and histories and relationships with other people. And so really they're all just kind of like, almost like rats in a maze. Uh, they don't necessarily even know who they are, what, what memories they have are real. Um, we come to find out that it's never actually daytime in the city it's always nighttime and they just don't think about it like uh, at some point the main guy challenges the inspector to say hey like what's so have you have you ever time, do you remember no, do, yeah. do you have a recent memory of daylight yeah, yeah when kind of and he's like not some distant memory of daylight but yesterday like, or the when day was before the, yesterday. when was the last yeah. time you saw the sun he's like yeah. well, I'm, it was it was Oh, you know, it's one of those things that he clearly had never thought about because he's kind of been programmed not to. So um, ultimately, like the similarity, right, b besides the role of the main character kind of becoming ascending in a way, is this idea of like people living in a false reality in the Matrix. Mm -hmm. They're in a computer program and they don't realize it. And in this the same thing, like these people are in a uh, in Dark City, these people are in an experiment. Um, their lives aren't really their own. They're really just kind of actors in a role almost um testing out scenarios for these aliens to study but they don't realize it they think that their lives are are real and normal and so both definitely open up questions to the nature of our reality and that's something obviously we've talked about on this podcast is how do we know you know how do we know we're not in the matrix how do we know we're not in a dark city um uh, I, I think one of the most impactful parts was yeah. when you really start to learn <clears throat> or when he starts to vocalize like hey you're not my wife we just met each other like we haven't known each other for all these years this memory that you have it's all fake like i am i have just become me as of this morning and i know in one of our philosophy conversations that was the thing that we talked about was like like one of those weird thoughts that i've always had is wait how long have i actually been me like the person sitting here yes i have all these memories but that could have come after i became me and not to get all philosophical but that's i thought that that was probably the most impactful part of the movie because i've had those same thoughts and then so clearly somebody else has as well to put it into a movie shy did you have something to add to that i think it gets the synopsis pretty pretty well i would say to me um what it really made me think about was how important memory is to identity right like and i think maybe that's a little bit what you're getting at van is that like we believe uh, like everything we feel like we know about ourselves comes from our memory and, and our memories are clearly not perfect uh, my wife and i talk all the time like about how we can remember even events as recently as a day or two very differently and you know like disagree like legitimately on like how something happened or what somebody said or how something went down and um it kind of makes you wonder like when you you think about how much of yourself is built on the memories you have the relationships you remember having with other people and like when that's something that's not maybe perfect or permanent um how kind of tenuous the, the idea of yourself is and like um yes it, both of the movies i think do a great job of making you kind of think about things that maybe you wouldn't otherwise just kind of consider like you know thought think about things and maybe in a way that you never have before and i that's what i like to i would say about both movies uh my one of my favorite things about both of them is how they make you maybe see the world a little bit differently through a little bit different perspective what uh shy what was something that you uh some of your likes about about either or both movies um i mean i think there's just so much i don't know <laughs> um i think and I'll, i know we'll talk about this later i think i have more that i like about the matrix um if we get to the point where we actually qualify the value you know as individual products but um so i think like dark city I thought it did what it wanted to do really well. I thought it was a very interesting kind of like nor like kind of detective Definitely. film. Like oh, it's yeah. almost weird that they're twin films in a, in, a, in a sense. Like they're very dystopian. They deal with reality, but as far as like the type of film they are, they're very different. You know, yeah, almost like different. Matrix genres, is really. like yeah. a really tight kind of action thriller suspense film, um, and and Dark City's not that way at all. Like there's a couple scenes of action that are quite clunky. Um, yeah, but it's really more clunky. like uh, like you're discovering this plot, you're unpiecing this. It's all it's very much like a detective story. Um, and I thought it did really well. I thought it um, I thought the art style was good. I thought the effects 
at like were good for what they were um i really think that you can tell Dark the City? difference between yeah i thought you could tell oh. um like some of the scenes specifically like um like some like the scene specifically there's a scene where like you see this couple and they're like really poor and then eventually like but then they get tuned and like then they're yeah, rich they and there's this rich. cool scene where like the, the table's kind of elongating and i thought they did some really interesting yeah. visual effects i think like the, the aliens i don't think like there were definitely some effects that didn't didn't land very well um and I think that that's something you can see budget. I looked it up and like Matrix had like over twice the budget that Dark City did. Um, and I think yeah, you, you could can tell. see that. Um, you could tell. <laughs> but and I think the casting was pretty solid. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, there's just so much I like about the Matrix. I think, um, you know, I just just having I just went over recently and just. Uh, um, I think one thing it's just this. I mean, this would be really I'm, I'm more like pull on on um, unknowns. Oh, the other thing. The other, yeah, no. Um, just pull something that like. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe people don't think about it. i thought the score was really good for the matrix like it's not there's not always music and there's only actually a couple scenes where there's music but um yeah. i thought music was used really well like a lot like several of the action scenes like it really popped out to me when um he's fighting smith in the subway station there's a really kind of powerful orchestral score going in the background and then there's a couple scenes too where like um oh, what was the one there's one scene where like it's uh i don't know if it's like when he's in the interrogation room with the agents there's one scene where like he's like in a really high intensity scene and it's like high like um it's just like a stringed instrument like the high end of a stringed instrument just playing and it's like really grating and it's just reinforced i don't know like just watching it this time kind of brought some of that stuff out like i think that uh, like i think sometimes some of that stuff with an action movie <laughs> really uh really I um, camera could do that that was weird <laughs> um really um goes unnoticed um yeah but movie actually was what one of the movie, one of the reasons I got into Rage Against the Machine was because I I wanted to know what that song was at the in the, at the, at the closing, yeah. and uh, I ended up buying that album and really liking it. So is that when he hangs uh, up the phone in that song? Yeah, yeah. I um, I, so I'm sure it's a great song, but like so talking about the score, like I've been like I've been noticing that watching the movie, I'm like, oh, this has a great score, and all of a sudden at the end, he's like on the phone and this rock music starts playing, and I'm like. <laughs> what like this totally is different than what it was which i guess is the point like the but, i mean you have to shifted. like especially um, just like having a rage against the machine yeah like you, you had to include that somewhere it's very like it's all yeah it's just it was too good not to yeah what about you van what were some of the things that you liked about either or both movies um so out of the two i i, I certainly understand why matrix got more airtime and review time and is beloved by more fans than dark city um i had honestly never heard about dark city until you told me about it and I, neither I had my wife either i hadn't my wife is the one who brought it to my attention yeah um, she so, told me about it before and that's when we started kind of start our conversation about twin movies was because she yeah. told us and then with that kind but of again i can see how it's a twin movie they were released within a year of one another dark city i think 98 and matrix 99 or something like that um but what i i guess I connected more with Matrix, I think, mostly because of the setting, whereas you were mentioning it's kind of noir 50s, yeah, probably noir 40s, 50s for Dark City, and then Matrix was supposed to be 1999, the yeah. time that you're watching it, like, it's it's real time and whatnot, so I was able to connect more with that movie, plus the special effects, um, all that stuff when I, I came out, I, I certainly would have cared more about, you know, machine guns and under uh, like you know uh emps and stuff as opposed to these funky looking aliens that look pretty stupid um in dark city matrix so. was a lot cooler of a movie for sure yeah like yeah. it was it was kind of hip and cutting edge and had cool special effects yeah. what well, like, cutting edge it, special like, effects, like you said right that it, you've never oh, seen yeah. before like bullet it, yeah. time nobody yeah. ever knew what bullet time was and then there was the the opening scene where trinity's like in that yeah. crane like yeah. suspended in the air and they have yeah. the, the rotating well, cameras rigs, that go around yeah. like that had never been done before like it was yeah. just incredible to have that that that, that uh, <laughs> visuals um i will say that I wonder if re-watching Dark City, it would be more enjoyable because the first time I watched Matrix, I actually didn't think it was that great of a movie. I was like, okay, this is kind of a cool movie, but I don't really get it. Then I watched it the second time, I was like, oh, oh, I get it. And then I watched this time, I was like, holy shit, this movie's fucking amazing. Matrix is definitely one of those movies that every time you watch it, you catch something else. Yeah. Like one of my favorite examples of that is like, there's a part like right when they're leaving to see the Oracle, Cypher throws his cell phone yeah. in the trash which is how he basically tells the machines where they are and then later when they go up and they realize that something's wrong morpheus is like give me your phone and cypher's like yeah 
low heaven. Uh, and, yeah. and you're like, oh my God, it's because he dropped it. Like little things like that that you don't catch in the in the moment. Like there's a lot of those, I think. And yeah. there probably is in Dark State too. And I agree. I think both of those <laughs> movies are ones where like you the, every time you watch it, like you kind of you get it a little bit more and you're able to put things together a little bit more. Like I'm sure if I watched Dark City again, I would make more connections that I'm certain I missed at the beginning. Cause like, especially in Dark City, like you are just kind of, as Shai said, when he was explaining, you're just thrown in and you have yeah. no idea really like what is going on. Like who are these people? What, like, what is he even, you know, and especially in that movie too, like the first part of it is very like, it seems like it's trying to put you in his shoes. It's very observational. Like he yeah. doesn't talk a lot. There's not like a lot of exposition other than maybe the call from the doctor. Like he's just kind of looking around and you're just kind of watching him and you're trying to kind of absorb things, which is, it felt very different from a lot of movies. It took me a while to get used to, I, I would say. Yeah. But I do, I do completely agree with shy on the score of matrix. I, I had the uh, album. Um, just so I can continue to listen to the, the music. So it was so good. So, Well, which one did you guys like better? Shy? I mean, I have to go with The Matrix. I don't... I, I tried to find things I liked about Dark City, but I, I did... Uh, in a lot of ways, it just felt kind of jumbled and clunky. And just watching The Matrix again, it just... It's really tight. Like, they like a lot of stuff... And, yeah. And it's like, it reminded me, and you mentioned like movies that are like, you, know, you watch again, like, and it reminds me a lot of like Christopher Nolan films to a certain extent. And that might be a bit of high praise potentially. I don't know if it's at the same level as far as like plot complexity, but it's that idea of like building systems into a film that then later on you like, it creates tension with those same systems. So like early on in the film, one thing I forgot to mention earlier is like, you find out that like, while they're jacked into the matrix, you can't like unplug them, whatever they've like, there's a specific order of like leaving and entering the matrix. Well, at the very Gotta end of the film, safely. yeah, exactly. So at the very end of the film, there's this tight moment, like you were saying earlier, when he's like stuck fighting agent Smith and they're trying to get him out, but there's also these creatures in the real world attacking the ship and it can disable the creatures, but they'd also like, you know, kill Neo and like, like, and you understand that as a, as a, as a viewer, because they've built this throughout the film. And I don't know that like by the end of dark city, I was like, Oh, this all makes sense. Like all the stuff they explained early on, like yeah. now I understand, like, it just felt like they had a lot of really high concept ideas and it wasn't maybe meant to even make, I wonder if that is a movie that honestly you watch 10 times and on the 10th time, you're like, Oh, I'm still getting stuff out of this. Or if there's like a certain element of like, just being like, you know, this is cool. And like, I won't understand all this stuff, but like, this is kind of a neat film. Um, but yeah, long story short, I, I've I will. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I agree completely with Matrix being the number one. Uh, Dark City, honestly, I wasn't really enjoying much throughout the movie. Like for a ma majority of it, I was like, okay, I'm kind of here for the ride. I really don't get it. Um, I see what's going on, but it it's not emotionally captivating. But I will say like it ended much better than I thought. Like after it was ended, um, then I was like, okay, that was actually kind of a cool movie. I didn't, I didn't hate sitting there for the last two hours. So I don't know that's, if it was closure or what, but yeah. That's so funny because I had a very different ride with it. Whereas I, I liked it more in the middle. Like I thought mm -hmm. that was when I enjoyed it the most was when I started to understand what was going on and I was intrigued where I was like, oh my God, they're switching these people around. Like, like who's actually who, like, is he going to remember who she is? Like, are they going to remember each other and things like that? And then I thought the ending, I, I didn't, I was I was expecting more. Maybe it was like what Shai said, where like I wanted things to more like all come together. And I felt like it kind of did. It just kind of ended in a way. It's like he makes the beach and he goes there and he talks to the girl and like, but she doesn't know who he is. And and maybe that's the way it had to be. And that's fine. And like the inspector just like gets jettisoned in this space. And he's just like, Peace. I was wondering that. <laughs> was because like, I was okay. like, I guess yeah. he's gone. Right. Like, a lot of build up for that guy with not much payoff. Like um, I hated you know, the telekinesis battle. I hated it. Yeah, that was, <laughs> hated it. it was it was it was definitely like old school sci-fi cheesy. Yeah. You know, and but you, you compare know, I, that to Matrix a year later and you're like, how? Well, I think you one know? thing we talk about is like how scary the agents are. That's something that I feel like those yeah. creatures weren't scary. Like they looked yeah, weird. They were, yeah, they were weird, just annoying. They were yeah. creepy. But they the agents creepy, but are scary. truly scary, and it like creates this paranoia throughout the film that anyone yes. could become an agent, like anyone looking over your shoulder. I mean, and they're unbeatable. Yeah. You know, this uh, they really even the woman in the red dress. Yeah, even the old woman in the you, kitchen who throws me, the knife. Let me give you oh, a piece oh, yeah, of advice. I that one. You see an agent, you do what we do. 
You run, <laughs> yep. you run your ass off. Or you cut a, a deal cipher. with the right cipher, you piece of shit. <laughs> um, I want to eat that steak he was eating, though. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and, and, and be an actor in another life? Oh, wait. Maybe no. somebody important. Like an actor. <laughs> he has a lot of faith uh, in those agents to follow through on their plan. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Well, you know, they, are they, don't, they don't need him for anything. And he trusts them wholeheartedly. It's crazy. Yes. Yeah. Well, are you smiling? So you said you how you, but what? Which one? Which movie? I mean, I'm a huge fan of The Matrix. I, that's obvious. I definitely like that more. I, I, it was just a better movie in a lot of ways. But I did like Dark City. I liked a lot. Of, I liked the way it made me think, and it made me think of things differently than The Matrix did. Matrix does make you question, like, how do we know we're not in the Matrix right now? <laughs> like, like in a way, like, are our brains not in a Matrix created by our our senses? I don't know. Like. You know, you don't, you know, you know, that made me think in the time, which was cool. And this made me think as well. Like I said, it really made me think about how self is so tied to memories. And like, mm. if you couldn't remember anything, are you even the same person? And like, and that's, that's what the aliens were trying to get at as well. Right. Like that was the whole point of their ideas. Like if this person remember, if we give him memories of being a serial killer, will he become a serial killer? Yeah. If we make him think he is, will he f- follow that? path laid out for him or is there something about him and his soul that says this isn't me i would never do this and i think that's kind of what i think that was kind of the point of the movie to an extent right is it was showing that like that he they tried to convince him he was a serial killer but he he didn't feel like he was he tested himself and didn't have that inclination um and so you know the movie is saying that there's something about you as a person that's distinct from your what your memories and your experiences make you and uh it makes me makes me wonder whether that's true or not he wasn't a serial killer yet yeah because who knows maybe a year from now he became a serial killer yeah never know maybe we need dark city too to tell us these things <laughs> no we don't <laughs> dark city too <laughs> Starring Will Smith. What? What? I mean, wouldn't it? I would think it would be cool. Like, wouldn't it be cool to have that movie remade? Kind of the spirit of it, maybe without some of the hokey stuff. Like, if you put, maybe you put a different creative team behind it and say, like, let's take the concepts from this idea and kind of the basic story, but really kind of maybe present it a little bit differently. You not even like nothing wrong with the the noir look but like you know maybe explain things a little bit better make the special effects a little cooler have a little bit more payoff in some of the explanation and connections like i'd be i'd be interested in seeing that i think it could be cool you know i thought jennifer Connelly was great in that as well i thought she was she was fabulous she's a great actress um you mentioned that like there's some really good movies out there based on memories i wish we did more movie podcasts to be honest like there, what, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Total Recall. Like that's a really interesting movie concerning Hell like yeah. just like what? what is memory like. You oh know, my god, like, Total Recall's so good. Um, and another deep pull. Like I don't, you guys probably even heard of this one, but this movie called Regarding Henry with Harrison Ford. Like when he was a lot younger, where basically he's like a businessman who gets amnesia. He gets shot in the head, um, like by a criminal, and he like was this like horrible person. Like had become this like cutthroat kind of businessman, but then like he's a totally different person now because he like lost his memory. And like the idea is like. I don't know. Like, I think there's some really. Well, I I remember when I first saw Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So good. That movie really hit me hard when I first watched it. I had to go like take a walk after that one, you know. So yeah, that's the one I think of when I think of of memory stuff. So. All right. Well, um, we spent. We did better. We're gonna. We're gonna work, listeners. I know. We got work to do on our plot synopses. We're, we're going to try and get better at that. I think we cleaned it up. Van did a great job uh, kind of putting us on the right path there after we got through a little, got a little into the weeds on Dark City. So um, do we have anything else we want to say about these two movies? Any final thoughts, points we didn't bring up, things of that nature? Shy? I think I've got a question of the day for us for next week, but we'll talk okay. about it post, post pod. Look forward to that. Van? Is that what you're supposed to do with questions of the day? Yes. Yes, it is. That is the proper procedure. <laughs> you don't just fire them from the hip during the middle of your... <laughs> save, yeah, save some work. Save some work for us. All right. Well, if you 
our fair listener have opinions about Dark City or The Matrix um, or would like to tell us how eager you are for our Matrix 2 and Matrix 3 pod, which we will do at some point in the future, um, let us know. We can be reached on Twitter at Focus Target, on YouTube, Focus Target Podcast. You can check out this podcast and, and leave comments there. See how see our, all of our finger guns and pointing at each other and, uh, you know, Shy's props that he had many of today. Um or uh, you can email us. We have an email, focustargetpodcast at gmail.com. So once again, for the Focus Target Podcast, this is episode 77. Thank you for being with us. I'm your host, Smiley. This is Shy. And I'm Ben. As always, cover us, Porkins. We're out. Okay.